Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Talking Michigan, Maryland. Going to talk about the offensive side of things and the defensive side of things in this episode. Everything that went right and wrong in the Wolverines 34-27 to win. First half of this episode will be about the offense. By the way, lots of stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com if you want to read more about it. But we'll offer some of our, some of our primary takeaways and reactions here. Steve, I don't know about you. I mean, well, actually, I kind of know because we both predicted Michigan to score, you know, 45-ish points. They scored 34. If there's one thing that went wrong with Michigan's offense, it felt like it was in the passing game. Now, I wrote that the passing game got better as the game went on, and I, I agree with that. I think the second half was much better. They finally got the, the wide receivers involved, not just the tight ends. But, Steve, I, I want to hear your assessment on the passing game against a team that that really is not supposed to be that good at stopping the pass. I mean, there were some things we knew going into Saturday, Maryland was going to be able to do well. Pass coverage based on how they played SMU, based on how they played Charlotte, really not one of them. This is a team that, that gets lost in coverage, that, that doesn't necessarily provide enough of a pass rush for it to you know, make a dent there. Uh, and, and really, I think you and I going into this game, Expected a lot more from the Wolverines. So curious, your thoughts on how Michigan looked throwing the ball. Does it change your perception of the Wolverines based on how they threw the ball Saturday? Perception not changed yet. Iowa will obviously be, that game looks a little more interesting now, even though I think what Iowa won, what, 27 to 10 and like classic Iowa, I think two of them were defensive touchdowns. And they yeah, really, after they scored more. Defensive. Yeah, they scored yeah. more defensive touchdowns and offensive touchdowns. No, I mean, I think it's one of those things where it was it was a game of sort of missed opportunities offensively. I think a lot of Michigan's performance overall uh, in the passing game came down to uh, just uh, J.J. McCarthy really maybe making his first extended start against a team with a pulse. 
you know, I think he had a couple plays. I always go back to the Harbaugh turning water into wine type thing. He had a couple of those plays. Uh, got away with a bad throw in the red zone that really should have been an interception. I mean, watching that replay, I can't believe that dude didn't get his foot down uh, or get one foot down. But uh, And then multiple missed throws down the field. I think you said before we got on, he was one for eight on throws of 20 or more yards. Yeah, he was, uh, he was one for eight on throws of 20 or more yards downfield. And he was, I mean, you can do the math there. He was 17 for 18 on throws that weren't 20 or more yards downfield. Right. So clearly that was the, that was the difference in this game. Yes. And on what, at least five of those down, let's say five of the incompletions down the field, uh, there was an open receiver. Now I get, I get, you know, there were, there were uh, stretches in the game where I felt where I think everyone felt like maybe the play calling was a little iffy. I thought what they came out with in the second half, there's this thing, like, I feel like in Michigan is one that really always tries, you know, they, they try to do these like instill your will drives and stretches uh, where you're really running the ball unnecessarily uh, in my opinion, anyway, where you're just, you're forcing it too much. I actually, in a weird way, thought they went a little bit too much away from the pass coming out of the locker room in the second half. But then after that, like you said, I think that's when it was around after those first couple drives in the third quarter that they really started to settle in in the passing game. Uh, but, but, but it's one of those things I think is sometimes used as like a crutch to kind of complain about the performance. When, like I said, if, if McCarthy hits on even two of those deep balls that were incomplete uh, his, his stats are wildly different. And I think the perception of Michigan's offensive performance is is a lot different. And these are situations where he had great protection, receiver was open, and he just missed, right? So, I mean, in all actuality, two-thirds of what you're looking for on a deep pass play, uh, everything w- was executed properly. And I even maybe even say three-quarters because it's clear there was a – they saw something, a right call was made. I mean, they were creating open – opportunities for at least three different was it bell was deep once uh wilson and and then i know andrew anthony was open at least once down the field so not as not as poo poo on the play calling honestly i thought it was more you know and i think that's where that's what we're still going to learn and find out is is you probably you got to agree i think people just expect mccarthy was just going to walk in and just dominate and uh yeah i kind of did too Right. I know. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, you did, yes. did it. Charlotte yes. did it. But yes. Right. And, and again, like you said, 17 for 18 on throws of less than 20. That's 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 great. I mean, that's a, you know, that's you can take that to the bank, you know, and, and then they can go like that's not going to win them every game on their schedule. But man, I mean, that's you can't be more efficient than that. So just a matter of him. Kind of again, and this kind of goes back to what we've always been told about him is reining it in a little bit. I think he said after the game his arm was 110% when he needed it to be 100%. That's really what Michigan's thing is with McCarthy has been since he arrived is is kind of you know getting him to rein it in a little bit. So I think it could be a situation where he just, you know, like I said, it's this is really the first real game where this is his team. And I think he might have just come out a little maybe amped up, a little excited. You know, learning great learning experience for him. Major credit, though, to honestly also to Maryland. Thought Maryland 
a lot better than I thought they would look. Quite amazing to go from 15 penalties against SMU to one against Michigan. I mean, that's that's a if you're Mike Loxley, I mean, that's that's a really great sign for your team. So, you know, credit on both sides. Yeah, Michigan gashed him on the ground. Obviously, we you know Blake Corum, I think, should at least get some Heisman discussion or at least be a guy that you you, you see on those lists of Vegas odds at this point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it really will come down to to Michigan hitting on that deep ball because if, if they're going to run the football as successfully as they did on Saturday, those opportunities are, are going to continue to be there. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's really again if two deep balls hit suddenly McCarthy's thrown for almost 300 yards. His completion percentage is you know 75 percent, and it'd be really hard to sit here and and pick apart his performance. I do think Michigan has to find a way to get its receivers open in the first half. I mean, it was, it was a great performance from Luke Schoonmaker. And I don't say this as though Michigan is in trouble if Luke Schoonmaker is the leading receiver, but it shouldn't be until, you know, deep into the second half that Ronnie Bell gets his first catch or Roman Wilson gets his first catch. I mean, those are two guys it was clear during non-conference play. Those are two guys that have really separated themselves in this room. So why against one of the worst coverage teams in the Big Ten are they not open until the second, or not hit with a pass until the second half? And I think some of it, it did feel like the routes took too long to develop. And I don't necessarily think that's the receiver's fault. I think that's that's something Michigan has to to look at because you know McCarthy has this internal play clock but it's starting to tick down. And, and I remember watching a couple of these plays on Saturday and the receivers haven't even like met their defensive backs yet. Like they haven't even done their cuts yet. And so then he throws it's Luke Schoonmaker, which is great. That's what, you know, a tight end is there for. But, but at the same time, I, I can't help but feel like Michigan could have put this game away earlier, you know, not, not only with the run game, but also if they'd been able to, to generate a little bit more, early game momentum with the passing game because they hit a question real quick before I forget. Sorry. Michigan used the bubble screen to death against UConn. And I don't think, did they run it once yesterday? Maybe once or twice thought that was kind of odd. You know, it looked like it looked like something that should be a big strength with them with their ability to block on the outside. thought it was really weird that Michigan uh, really did not use that at all yesterday. So I just, just another thought about the play call in the passing game. That's something that I, that caught my eye was um, felt like they were just pounding that to death against UConn as sort of using it as a, one of the foundational pieces of their offense. Yes. And, then we, and then we just yeah. completely did not see it yesterday. So I thought that was kind of interesting and odd too. Yeah. I think that's, I, I think there's a, a lot of plays and, and I think the screens are probably the most significant one because they used it before. Yeah, it was it was interesting because it just it felt like every receiver in the first half they were asking them to run like ten yards downfield and then do their routes and it's like well I mean McCarthy probably had time to wait for it but like as a quarterback you're not gonna sit in the pocket for six seconds or something you know like you in your mind you're kind of counting down from five and and trying to find someone who's open and getting rid of the ball so um, and and I do think. McCarthy has to be better on those deep throws one for eight you know we can say oh 17 for 18 on under 20 yard throws but if you're going to I mean 
there's a scenario where Maryland is closer, packs a little bit more of an offensive punch, and suddenly you have to play from behind. And I imagine Michigan will trail in other times this season. They might need a quarterback who can hit those 20-yard throws. I think we'll talk about the defensive side of things on the second half of this episode, but there's a scenario where Michigan needs its offense to win and keep up with other teams. And part of that is when you have Andrell Anthony open or when you have Cornelius Johnson open or whoever, those throws have to be there. So, yeah, I, I think I ended up giving the passing game or passing offense a B-plus grade. I, w- I would have been comfortable with a B. I mean, it, it was – I think it got better. It was good enough in the second half that I was like, okay, I can't, can't dog them necessarily. But I do think there's a lot of room to improve in that phase. And I, I think ultimately it's a good thing. It's a good thing that J.J. McCarthy isn't going into Iowa with perfect stats. You know, he's going into practice this week hungry, motivated. I mean, you heard him after the game. You know, he was, he was pretty blunt that, that he thinks he needs to be better. And I think ultimately in the long run of the season, it's better for McCarthy to know where he needs to improve some of his shortcomings. It's probably better to know it now than after – a potential loss at Iowa, so to speak. So ultimately it was, I think it turned out fine. I think it got better in the second half. Uh, I do think it's fair, you know, fans who wanted more or expected more from the passing offense against Maryland. I think it's fair to expect. Maryland's going to give up 300 passing yards to a lot of teams this year, I think. So I think you're very right about the, the lack of defensive penalties. But at the same time, I think Michigan needs to get its receivers involved sooner. And I think ultimately when there is a deep pass or deep shot opportunity downfield, if they hit on three of those, three out of the eight instead of one, probably not sitting here spending so much time talking about the passing game. So so you're right on that point. Couple, before couple we... final, couple oh. final thoughts real quick before I keep, I'm somebody who forgets things. If I'm a Michigan fan, I have two other things I'm more concerned about right now than Michigan's passing game as it pertains to the offense. I'm concerned about McCarthy's ability on that read. I think he missed a lot of, which was odd because it seemed like that was one area where he was better than McNamara. Uh, even the the CJ Stokes fumble, that, that was a play where the, the DN crashed. That should have been a keep. Uh, and there was at least another one. There was at least one other one where, the field was wide open uh, and he handed it off to, to Corum, I'm assuming, uh, you know, and putting the ball on the ground from McCarthy's standpoint, he fumbled twice. Yeah, Can't do that. Can't do that it is twice. something that is going to, that will cost them a game at some point. If that continues to happen, that is, that is absolutely something that, you know, I don't know how, like, I don't know how you coach that uh, the, as far as the only way you can coach it is to maybe, you know, tell them to be a little bit more conservative you know, really what actually should have been three fumbles, right? Didn't they call that an incomplete pass or did they call that a fumble on the, the one no, that where he a, did the, sorry, the that was a fumble. And he ran backwards. Yeah. That was a fumble. Sorry. That's, that was, that's it right. was ruled a fumble. Yeah. yeah that was right. one of his two. Yeah. But either way, like, again, like that to me, if, 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 if I'm a Michigan fan, I'm more, I think McCarthy has shown in the past because he's, he's hit on deep balls before I'm less concerned about, his inability to hit those guys deep yesterday as I am those two other things, because those are things that, you know, will could hurt Michigan on first and 10 if you're not making the right read. And, and then obviously putting the ball on the ground is, is just paramount 
to, to losing a football game. So that's my thought. I, I think, you know, maybe people should be wondering more about that stuff. Yeah. I think the fumbles you're, you're right. That will lose you football games. And, and honestly, I think that first half looks a little different if CJ Stokes doesn't fumble. And if McCarthy, I mean, even if he doesn't complete a pass, just don't take a 15 yard sack to make it a 48 yard field goal attempt, you know, make it a 35 yarder that, that Michigan hits easily. I mean, if both of those drives turn into field goals, they go into halftime with a what 23 to 13 lead. I think the, the overall perception of the game, and you could say the same thing about Maryland. I know they squandered a couple drives as well, but at the same time, both of those drives were inside Maryland's 25 yard line. And so if you're able to put points on the board with those drives, you go into halftime with a double digit lead, you know, maybe the whole perception of the game that, that Michigan, you know, disappointed, I think maybe goes out the window. So uh, that said, and, and my main column after the game had to do with Blake Corum before we switch over to the defensive side, cannot say enough about Blake Corum's game. I thought, I mean, it was by far his best game. He had 71 more rushing yards than he's ever had before. He had nine more carries than he's ever had before. With Donovan Edwards out, uh, C.J. Stokes, my guess is that after the fumble, Michigan said, you're not carrying the ball today. That's that's an old Fred Jackson rule that I'm sure Mike Hart also has. Fair enough, right? And and so credit to Corum, kind of a one-man show in the, in the running back. I mean, definitely a one-man show, but but not just in how he performed, but also in carries didn't seem to matter to him. I thought, I thought he had a really good mix of explosive plays, but also really physical runs as well. Cause Maryland on the inside, you know, their, their tackles, they're all three ten, three twenty pounds. Like this is not old Maryland. You know, they have a, they have a legit defensive front. That's going to be able to stuff the middle of the, of the field. So Thought it was a really impressive performance. Certainly his best game at Michigan, but also I think it, it like sent a message. I think it sent a message because of all the all the um, jokes that are made about Michigan fans or Michigan media. I will not be talking about Heisman Trophy candidates in September, but at the same time, that was a star performance. And and Steve, to me. I think that's such a nice security blanket for Michigan to have to know that that when things are when things aren't going optimally because say what you will about the passing game it clearly wasn't going how they hoped it had it would go when things aren't going optimally they have Blake Corum a star running back who can really shoulder the load be the thunder and the lightning you know he he himself said he was kind of the lightning to Son Haskins thunder last year but but Saturday he was both I thought it was a really good mix Steve, your thoughts on Blake Corum's performance and, and kind of what it says about him and Michigan's offense this season? Uh, I think it was one of the guys on the Big Ten, on the Big Ten Network after the game said that the uh, in today's college football, the 30 carries was as impressive as the 243 yards, and, and I tend to agree with that. I mean, you don't see guys carrying the ball that much in a four-quarter game anymore. Uh, for him to be able to do that and to do it so successfully, so consistently against again, we this we thought Michigan was going to have success against Maryland defensively. Obviously, in a lot of ways, you know, we give credit to Maryland's defense. I thought their their game plan was a little odd uh, because they they did keep dropping back 
you know, so I think Michigan was taking a lot of what they were getting. Uh, but even when it wasn't there, yeah, that's when Corum was at his best, you know, and <clears throat> not a major surprise. I, I yeah, I, I mean, the, the Heisman stuff was sort of tongue in cheek, more just that he's been one of the best players in college football so far this season and, and deserves some national attention. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can't say enough. All that being said, though, they desperately need Donovan Edwards uh, back in the lineup. You have to have a second guy in today's college football. I mean, Corum cannot carry the ball 25, 30 times a game every every Saturday. I mean, maybe he can, but it's not what you want to do if you're Michigan. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, no, this was uh, not quite – I mean, not quite the same. This was – Michigan won a little more comfortably. Uh, but, you know, you remember Michigan Road Charbonnet to victory a couple of years ago against Army. Uh, not as flashy of a performance from Charbonnet, but similar in that sort of a safety blanket, like you said. Uh, you know, so yeah, will be fascinating to see Corum match up against Iowa's front seven next Saturday. You know, I think he's again, he is though, he is that that's what's interesting with he is that guy though that he's always one feels like he's always always one cut away uh from from breaking one. And uh, you know, at, at the other at, at the same time too, uh credit to Michigan's offensive line. You know, I mean, on a few of his long on more than a few of his long runs, uh he had some nice holes to run through to get to that second level, which is where he's by far the most dangerous. Uh, Michigan's tight ends block pretty well. I think Max Bredesen has settled in nicely as sort of the third tight end there. So credit to Michigan up front too for for giving him opportunities. But like you said, when he when they weren't there, uh, he made nothing. He made something out of nothing on really on both of those long touchdown runs were like almost identical <laughs> as a, I think they showed Loxley after the second one. He's like, come on, you know, like <laughs> we had that, we had the middle of the field completely uh, clogged up and uh, he just, you know, nice cut around the edge and, and easy touchdown. So yeah, no, I mean, star, star game should be, should contend for some national awards this, this week for, yeah, for his performance, so, right. Got to. So, you know, yeah, no, this is what you, we knew that he was capable of this, you know, that he's been capable of this his entire career, you know, with splitting carries with Haskins last season. And I get, I get, like I said, though, when Edwards is healthy, you got to get him in the game, at, you know, and, and let him get a breather every once in a while. But, uh, but for Saturday, yeah, this was his day. And uh, yeah, it was an amazing performance. You know, couldn't believe though, most yards rushing in a, by a Michigan running back in one game since uh, Bianca Batuka. Yeah. Ohio State in 95, which is insane to think, um, you know, so, I mean, maybe an understated performance, really, because that's, you know, Michigan has had some backs that have had some big games in the past. So, uh, you know, that's crazy to think it's been that long since the guys run for that many yards. Right. And 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 part of it is they haven't asked a guy to carry the ball 30 times that often lately. But also, I think Blake Corum, you know, it wasn't he had five plays of 20 yards or more. He had 15 of five yards or more, but I thought he, I came away probably most impressed with the ones that didn't get five yards. But, but I think, you know, if you're thinking about how many yards are available based on the scheme, based on the blocking, it felt like he exceeded the yards available. He's now seventh in the country in rushing yards and first in the country in rushing touchdowns. So he's off to a, a quite a good start. I'm with you all the way. I think 30 carries is something that, you can maybe do once or twice a season, but realistically, you need Donovan Edwards. You need CJ Stokes has to be better too. 
Blake Corum wouldn't have had as many rushing yards, but if Stokes doesn't fumble on his first carry, is he able to, is, is Corum less sore today? So it's, it's very good. Um, you know, I kind of, my story after the game was Michigan showed a lot of flaws Saturday, but they have Blake Corum and that's going to help them win a couple games because in college football, if you star quarterback is, is great. Star running back is too, though. You know, ask Wisconsin, ask Penn state, ask Ohio state. You know, if you have a running back who can kind of almost carry the offense, it, the offensive line is part of it too, but kind of carry the offense when, when things aren't going perfectly elsewhere, that's such a huge asset to have. That's going to help them in that October slate of games. Cause, cause the, uh, the easy slate is done, right? The rest of the way, Michigan has a top 15 schedule in the country in terms of strength of opponents. So going to be interesting. All right, we're going to hit a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk about some of our defensive takeaways. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Thanks for waiting. Steve, I, I, I think Michigan ultimately did fine on defense. I think pretty much everyone predicted Maryland to score 20 or more points. I know you and I both did. They scored 27. And really that last drive was, you can count it however you want. It does count on the scoreboard, but I viewed that more as Michigan uh, kind of tolerating. They were a little more tolerant because they had a 15 point lead in the final three minutes of the game. But what jumps out to you most about the defensive side of things? Like what's, what's your biggest takeaway, good or bad about the Wolverines play? Yeah, I felt like there's more to take away defensively. Uh, my first thought was, I, I, you know, if we were re, if we were ranking Michigan's defensive players thus far this season, where's Mike Sainer still? I mean, is he top three, four? 
He's de- I think he's top it, three. Is yeah. I mean, he he has been uh, awesome for them so far. So what a what a successful position change that looks like. And when you have Jamon Green and DJ Turner both playing at a high level, the fact that Sainer still is is sort of I would call him the breakout guy defensively for Michigan. I mean that's great because I think Michigan's defensive backfield was really, really good in this game. Uh, probably carried them defensively uh, for, for long stretches. You know, I, I think the book on Maryland and the book on Tagovailoa has, is, is a pretty easy one. It's get pressure on him and he makes mistakes. Problem was Michigan struggled to get pressure for, uh, again, long different stretches throughout the game. When they did get pressure, those are when the mistakes happened. Uh, so, I think the the issue right now is a lot of what we kind of talked about going into the season was where are they going to find the pass rusher that can win one-on-one battles up front and, and get to the quarterback. Uh, now, this is where we kind of talk about Maryland. They had five returning starters on their offensive line. And what, like I told you before we got on, normally Michigan plays a team, kind of just move on, whatever. Very interested to see how Maryland fares the rest of the year because Looked like their offensive line played a pretty good game for the most part. Uh, I think Michigan might have worn them down late in the you know as the as the game wore on late third quarter, early fourth quarter. But by and large, I mean that felt, it felt like their offensive line gave Tagovailoa a decent amount of time to try to make some plays. Uh, you know, so that'll be you know Mozzie Smith had a great second half. The guys in the interior seem to be playing all right. I mean, the, the running game. I didn't think the run defense was that bad. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Littleton just a massive dude uh but even then he had the one carry for 16 besides that what's that seven carries for 23 yards I mean he wasn't like super effective and and Hemby not as much of a factor on the ground as he has been this season it really came down to the other thing that we sort of talked about is that Maryland had a lot of different guys that they can throw the ball to and I think that's where they created a lot of issues we talked about the tight ends Dietrich and Dipre were two of uh, Maryland's three leading receivers so you know, I think that's where they gave Michigan problems. And then to me, that leads to the biggest issue for me right now for Michigan. And that, and that's at linebacker. Uh, I did not think Michigan's linebackers played particularly well yesterday. Colson had 13 tackles, kind of the exception, but otherwise I thought Michigan's linebackers looked a little iffy throughout the game. So that's going to be a position. And again, I think that's the position we looked at heavily that, you know, we talk about, they need Donovan Edwards back, really think they need Nikai Hill green to get healthy fast uh, because I think he immediately steps in as their second best linebacker and, and can really upgrade that position, uh, you know, as conference season kind of wears on. Yeah. I'm with you all the way on, on saying we're still and really the entire defensive backfield. This is going to be probably their second toughest challenge of the season. You could probably throw Penn state in there. I wouldn't fight you on it, but Ohio state, Penn state, Maryland, probably Michigan state is next, but then they're like, this is, it's it's important to understand that this is probably a top 20 passing attack in the country. I don't know what the numbers say, but the array of pass catching options, the quarterback and his arm and his ability to make a lot of different throws and the pass protection. So I think they looked the part, they looked as advertised and they were advertised pretty highly. Yeah. Sane Russell, I thought had a great game. How about Jamon green and DJ Turner, you know, the, the starting corners, difference makers in this game 
they were targeted a combined 13 times. And then according to pro pro football focus, they allowed five receptions and 40 receiving yards, five for 13, 40 yards. That's fantastic. Against really good, you know, that's presumably their top receivers other than Jarrett, who's the slot guy. So that's, that's a nice kind of like Blake Corum. That's a nice feather in the cap that Michigan can, can count on throughout the season is that they're not going to stop every single throw. Not, it's not going to be perfect, especially against a good passing attack, but at the same time, they're going to be really effective against players who I think are NFL caliber. I don't know if they'll get drafted, but they have, they're that fast. They're that elusive. Um, quarterback is that good at making the throws. So came away really ultimately impressed by, by Michigan's coverage. Where I'm not as impressed, I, I think the pass rush, it eventually got there. It's kind of like the passing offense. I think the pass rush eventually got there in the second half. At the same time, I don't think Talia got knocked down. I don't think he got put on the turf the entire first half. And, and if you're Michigan, I don't think you can get away with that all the time. I think you have to find a way to get to the quarterback. Because now you're looking at a situation where the only game where you really, you really ramped up the pressure uh, from start to finish was against probably the worst pass-protecting team in the country. By the way, Colorado State, I don't know if you saw this, Steve, they got smoked by Sacramento State 41-10 to yesterday. Right. So <laughs> they, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see Hawaii, UConn, and, and Colorado State kind of battle, see who's the worst team in the country, because I, all three of them are in the running which is, is crazy because I don't think Michigan – I don't think they wanted that. I think they wanted an easier non-conference schedule. I don't think they wanted that. But anyway. Well, that's – well, hey, they were talking about that yesterday. It's like those are – none of those three – like UConn in particular has never really had a good yeah. football program. But Colorado State and Hawaii have been solid in the past. I mean, it's not they like have. they – right? It's you know, So it's like it's sort of – it's a little bit of like unluck for Michigan in that regard that those two teams are as bad as they are. I mean, I, I always kind of compare it to like, you know, with Notre Dame not being in a conference, it's like their schedule would always depend. Like, you know, they, they had a, a schedule that some seasons would look like the biggest gauntlet in history. But then when Florida State's down, Stanford's down, USC is down, you know, it's the same idea. It's like you can't control the success of the programs right. that you're playing in. Like, yeah, I mean, these teams are so bad uh, that – you know, yeah. I mean, I wonder if Michigan like kind of had a little bit of a wake up call yesterday. Just, just it felt like, like it, a, didn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah, like playing a competent team. You know, so uh, yeah, no, really, I didn't see that about Sacramento State. I'll have to check that box score out. But the the reason I bring it up is is not to dog on Colorado State, but more to note that Michigan's pass rush. I think it's okay to call it a weakness now, officially. You know, they had a great game against Colorado State, but that. That that is looking like maybe the worst pass blocking team in the country. They were more pedestrian against Hawaii and UConn, and some of it was scheme. Both of those teams were trying to get rid of the ball, but at the same time, I think you saw in the first half just not nearly enough pressure. I will give Michigan credit; they did bring it in the second half. I do think it also helped that Maryland was a little bit in a desperation mode, so they could you know Michigan kind of pin their ears back and and feel comfortable that that Maryland was going to pass the ball. But I do think that's one area that, that needs to improve. 
hitting home on on the pressures too. I think there were a couple missed tackles. It's it's tougher against a mobile quarterback. At the same time, I mean, how many times? I, I counted in the first half. There were four tackle for loss opportunities: two in the run game, two in the pass game, where Michigan essentially had the guy wrapped up in the backfield for a loss, and instead they gained yardage. And Littleton. I, I was just going to say, yeah. that's the one that I, he carried Rayshon Benny for like four yards. Right. That was right. one of the most, that was one of the more impressive individual efforts of the game was on that play. And, and, and I get, you know, it, I understand that that's a little bit of that is physics. He's 240 pounds. He used to be 285. Uh, so for him to, to carve down, very impressive to him, you know, he, he packs a punch. I get it. But, but even there were a couple sacks where I think there was one where Mike Morris basically had the sack, but then Talia's like spun out and worked downfield. It was, it's tougher against a mobile quarterback. I, I do understand that they, I don't think they're going to face that many truly like athletic mobile quarterbacks this season. I guess it depends on where you see Sean Clifford falling on that list. But I, you know, that I understand this is a little bit of a unique challenge, but I, I think you have to hit home on your pressure more. And I think you have to generate more pressure. I, I, I wonder, I'd be curious to like hear, in the coach's room today, I'd have to like really look snap by snap. But I think in the second half, they got a little bit more aggressive with the pass rush and a little bit more creative in, in stunts and twists and, and the disguise or the deception that they were trying to create. I think you're going to see more of that moving forward. Cause yeah, that first half, I mean, it was, it was a little bit more basic. I felt like, and it didn't really work. It really didn't. And that's, we say this like like Maryland scored 20 points in the first half, but or, or 30 points, but it was 13. But at the same time, it did feel like they were able to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish because there just was so little pass rush. Steve, any other thoughts on Michigan's defense in this game? Not particular. I am, I am curious as far as the pass rush goes, uh, if Yabioki is eventually going to be in his short stint out there late in the game, he he looked like somebody. And again, Maryland still had their starters out on the offensive line, and and he created a little bit of havoc in a very short amount of time. So, you know, I, I do wonder if in two or three weeks we're talking more about him still as a guy that is starting to create issues for opposing offenses. Maybe possibly the same with Derek Moore, too. I mean, both guy like both guys, uh Oki a little bit smaller, but looks bigger than how he's listed, though. I was like, what's he like 242 or 243? He looks I mean, a he was bit... listed at 280 last season. Right. He doesn't look like he's lost. Tennessee Martin. He doesn't look like he's lost 40 pounds uh since then. And then Derek Moore was a surprise to us at at edge at 279. Uh, but both of those guys kind of look like guys who could potentially kind of continue to emerge as the season goes on. So uh those will be guys we'll be watching. Iowa, an interesting test in that regard because Petrus not a not a mobile guy by any means. So Michigan could have opportunities uh, to get to the quarterback next Saturday. So, you know, maybe we'll see more of those guys. Yeah. By the way, Pro Football Focus in their pass rushing grades, only two Michigan players graded out above a seventy. Now, seventy to eighty, I, I consider that a good game. You know, they're they're a little bit. Their numbers are lower than maybe their grade would suggest. But anyway, two players were above a 70. One was Mike Sainer still in the pass rush, and the other was Yabioki. So 
did he merit more playing time? I, I, I wonder if he did. And I wonder if that was part of what the extended run that he got. Cause I think he, that was actually a, a season high in snaps for him 11, but I think can't help, but wonder if there's maybe a little bit of, of changing of the guard, because I, I think Michigan starting or their, their effective starting four was ineffective in a lot of key spots yesterday. So definitely room for improvement. In the end, I don't think it was kind of like the passing game. I'm not going to dog on it because it did get better during the game. But I, I, I'm with you. I think, I think Michigan learned a lot about itself set, probably more Saturday than it did the pr- first three games. I think in the end, those first three games are, are very, not meaningless, but they're not, they're not indicative of what Michigan is. I think Saturday was a little bit more of that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to struggle against everybody, but but I do think they learned where their weaknesses are. They learned, and they, they improved during the game too. I, the score would suggest otherwise, but I felt like Michigan's second half was was much better than its first half. So ultimately, I kind of view the game in the middle. It wasn't quite as bad as the first half. wasn't quite as good as the first half or second half, but but ultimately in the middle. Steve, any final thoughts on this game, changed perception, or Michigan moving forward? Because obviously the next two games are road games. Uh, Indiana seems like someone Michigan should be able to handle, but but Iowa definitely a staunch defense. I mean, they're going Michigan's going to have to be crisper and more balanced offensively, I think, next week in order to to handle the Hawkeyes. So I was the type of team that, that has historically will historically feast on quarterbacks that make mistakes. Right. So that's, that was one reason why I figure, I think if you're Michigan fan, you want to be more concerned about a couple forced plays by McCarthy and then putting the ball on the ground. I mean, that, that's, that sometimes is a recipe. Well, it might've literally been the recipe for victory for Iowa yesterday. Uh, But it's something I was always seemed to have success with. So, you know, that game now looks a decent amount more dangerous than it did a couple weeks ago, probably. So, uh, you know, I think that's going to be this. It, it is now, it looks, it looks again, like the first big test that, you know, the way Iowa started out the season and I know they lost to Iowa state. They won that weird seven to three game. Uh, I think we were kind of like, uh, maybe I was not going to present the challenges just the way both they played yesterday and the way and how Michigan looked offensively. I, I think you can see there's, you can now see a recipe for an upset. I think Michigan's still favored by, I think eight or seven and a half right now. Uh, you can see a recipe for an upset, I think now. So, you know, yeah, Michigan has to play and McCarthy in particular has to play more crisp. Uh, I think def- Michigan definitely will want Donovan Edwards back for this game. I mean, we know, he hurt Iowa pretty badly last year. Um, and again, just, he gives them so many different things at the running back spot too. So, you know, yeah, kind of my thoughts. I think it makes next Saturday a lot more interesting and a lot more of an exciting game. You know, Kinnick always a weird place to play. I know everyone's happy. It's at noon and not at eight o'clock, uh, but either way, it's still uh, going to be a different interesting game for Michigan. That it is well we'll obviously have lots of preview content for that game but for now that's going to do it for us here at the wolverine 24 7 podcast be sure to read all of our recap stories over at the michiganinsider.com michigan.247sports.com for steve lorenz i'm zach shaw this has been the wolverine 24 7 podcast we'll see you next time